Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. And uh, believe it or not, we're back in France. The French Catholic Cafe is is open for business again, and I'm joined by Robert Hutton. He's my co-host today. Hey, Deacon. How you doing? We're doing great here in France. we got the uh, cafes. Beignets that's the croissants. Exactly. I don't know if Croissant, yeah. yeah. We, have, we, we have all kinds of great smells here in France, but we also have a wonderful guest today. We sure do. We have Cardinal Donald Worrell, and he's just been named the Relator General to this 2012 World Synod of Bishops coming up, and we thought it'd be a good thing to do and talk about what that synod's all about and exactly what this new evangelization thing is all about. And so, Your Eminence, welcome to the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Well, Deacon Jeff, thank you. Thank you very much. It's very good to join you, and thanks for the invitation. Now, I know that the Holy Father asked you to be Relator General to this 2012 World Synod. And obviously, when the Holy Father asks something, you you kind of feel like maybe that's something you should do. It's a great tradition in the church. (laughs) Well, you know, the Holy Father hasn't called me yet, but I'm waiting for that call, so maybe one day... But when the Holy Father asked you this, uh, can you give us an idea of what what he was thinking about heading up this synod? Well, for some time, our Holy Father has been talking about the new evangelization. As you know, this is a call for all of us to repropose the faith to people who think they've heard about Christ and who are convinced that the gospel doesn't have any meaning for them. And so what the Holy Father wants to do is have a synod. And a synod is a gathering of bishops. He'll he'll invite about 200 from around the world to talk about what, what are the conditions in our world today that have created this need for a new evangelization And then, what are the experiences of the church all over the world in trying to meet this demand for a re-proposing of the faith? Well, in the Synod, there is a particular post, that's the Relator General's post, uh, to summarize all the material that's been provided in anticipation of the Synod so that at the opening of the Synod, I'll be able to, or at least with the help of God yes. and God's grace and the intercession of Our Lady, I will be able to do a summary of what we've heard from around the world. Then the discussions go on. How long does this process take? It takes three weeks. Two weeks are devoted to hearing from every bishop there. And there are guests, auditors, they're called, who are invited, lay people, uh, who will speak as well. And the, uh, the relator's task is to summarize what they're saying. That's a daunting task. Because <clears throat> I imagine a lot is going to be said. Well, we're going to be talking for two solid weeks. The, the synod meetings start in the morning. They start at 9 they run to one, they start again at four and run to seven. And during that time, 
or listening and listening and listening, and I'll have my pad out writing down right. and trying to summarize all this. At the end of the, of the first two weeks, uh, the relator general is supposed to then give a summary of what we've heard. Now, if you want to say a prayer, say a prayer for that. Oh, <laughs> yes. I can only imagine. And then we break into language groups. So there will be the French language group, the Spanish language group, the English language group. There's one in German and one in Italian. And there, all of the synod participants discuss everything they've heard with the idea of coming up with what are called propositions, statements that we could present to the Pope as the fruit of this synod. And my task is to work with all those language groups and produce a coherent list of about 50 propositions mm. to which everybody can say amen. Wow, that sounds like, again, a daunting task, and we will pray for you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and we know that with the help of the Holy Spirit, all this will come out well. But let's go back a little bit, and let's talk about the new evangelization some more. For our listeners who might not be totally familiar with this, I mean, obviously... We say the phrase new evangelization. Now, I think the last time our church had a new evangelization was maybe 2,000 years yeah. ago when this guy from Nazareth came, came no. through town, right? And so a lot of people might ask, why do we need a new evangelization? What was wrong with the old one? Deacon, that's an excellent question, and that's the question I think that we need to help everyone understand the answer to. Why? Why do we need all over again to propose the gospel? I think what we have recognized is the great evangelization that took place when Jesus said to his disciples, mm -hmm. go out and make, dis make disciples of the, the whole world. The last words of the gospel of uh, Matthew, Matthew, right? Yes. This is the last thing. There's nothing else after this. This is your marching order. This is the great commissioning. Go out and uh, as Jesus said to them, you, you will be my witnesses. You're going to be the ones that will go out. And the faith began to spread. But as it spread, century after century, uh, there came with the spreading of the faith the need every generation to completely retell the story. Because every time a child is born, in a certain sense, the telling of the message begins all over again. With every child, you have to, you have to bring that child into the mystery, into the kingdom. Baptism is just the beginning. And now you have to tell the story. And as that child grows, and as that child becomes an adult, that, that person has to make his own, her own, the gospel of Jesus. I, I say to, um, to people all the time, think back to that moment in your life when consciously you said to yourself, you know, I believe this. Mm. This isn't the faith any longer, just the faith of my family. This isn't the faith of my mom and dad that they've passed on to me. I believe it. I believe in Jesus. I believe in his church. I believe in the Eucharist. Well, where we are today, and this is something that Blessed John Paul II recognized and Benedict XVI clearly recognizes, we have had the equivalent of a tsunami of secularism. Mm wash across the entire church. It's washed across the entire globe, and it's taken with it so much of what was the basic support system for the faith. 
It's washed away the idea of family life. It's washed away the idea of the integrity of marriage. The secularism that is permeating our culture is saying, this is the way you should live. And we who are disciples of Jesus know there's a better way. Unfortunately, that wave, not only has it washed away so many of the doctrines, the teachings, the understanding of the love and mercy of God, but it's washed away people. It's taken people overboard, hasn't it? This is, this is why the new evangelization, using this image of the tsunami, we have to be the ones throwing the life preservers mm. to the people who are now awash in, in an ocean of materialism, secularism, individualism. And the Pope is saying to us, repropose again. Find time to say to people, Jesus really is the answer. We're like the early, early church. We're like those first disciples going out. And for the first time, many people will be hearing us and hearing us with, with some openness. I, I think part of the problem is we have this whole world of people out there who think they know what Jesus taught. They think they know what the church is, but they're really not evangelized. A lot of them don't really love Jesus and really love the church and see the church as the instrument of God's mercy and God's grace. On a flight I had not too long ago, uh, a man in the seat next to me began, uh, he he said to me, you're a Catholic priest, right? Mm -hmm. I said, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Thinking the caller probably gave that away. And he immediately uh, launched into, you know what's wrong with the church? And he listed all these things. And I said to him, If I thought that's what the church was all about, I would be as annoyed as you are. Mm -hmm. Uh, I said, why don't we use this time on this flight just to talk about what the church really is, what she really believes, and what she offers us. Every one of us runs into people like that every single day. Mm -hmm. And our task, our task is to re-propose to them. They already think they know we have to repropose to them the person of Jesus. And they have to see in us, in the way we live, the way we act. I say this particularly to young people. In the way you speak, people should hear echoes of Jesus, not echoes of this popular culture. And then, then they may, they may be much more disposed to hear what we're saying reproposing all over again the beauty, the wonder of those early disciples when they said, I saw him. He's alive. I was with him. He's alive. We have to be able to say in our hearts, he's alive. I've been with him. I've celebrated the Eucharist. I've prayed. I know he's with us. And simply to share that with somebody else. That's the new evangelism. You make it sound so simple. Yeah. But we do have so much ahead of us and so much exciting stuff to, to do in this new evangelization. And we're going to cover much more of that when we get back. And with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bester Zemsky, and this is another great moment in church history. In the 2,000-year history of the Catholic Church, There has been no greater evangelist than St. Paul. Born as Saul in Tarsus, 
Paul was very well educated and his family possessed the coveted Roman citizenship. As a devout Jew, Paul studied the Torah under the famous scholar Rabbi Gamaliel. Concerned about the claims of Jewish followers of Jesus of Nazareth, that Jesus was risen from the dead and the Messiah long promised by the scriptures, Paul began working with his temple authorities to persecute the Christians. He was present during the stoning of St. Stephen, one of the first deacons and martyrs of the church, holding the cloaks of those casting stones. Paul obtained letters from the high priest authorizing him to arrest Christians and bring them forcibly back to Jerusalem for trial. On the road to Damascus, on mission to stamp out the Christians, Paul was struck blind and thrown off his horse. Jesus appeared to him, lamenting, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? After three days in Damascus, he recovered his sight and was baptized a Christian. Then he spent three years preaching throughout Arabia. Paul then headed to Jerusalem to meet with Peter, the leader of the apostles, with whom he spent 15 days in Jerusalem. At that time in the early church, there was much debate as to whether followers of Jesus had to be first Jewish and follow all the Mosaic law. Paul was an advocate for the position that Jesus was the Messiah not just for the Jewish people, but for the entire Gentile world, and that a new covenant was formed by God through Christ, freeing Christians from the ceremonial obligations of the Jewish law. After much discussion in Jerusalem, St. Peter received a sign from God that Paul's views were correct. Paul was then commissioned by the early church to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Paul's preaching and missionary journeys are well known. He worked tirelessly to preach and establish churches throughout the Greek-speaking world. His letters written to these churches are preserved today and make up the first books written of the New Testament. Paul attributed his own success in preaching to his determination that he would preach no message but Christ crucified. Ultimately, Paul was arrested and transported to Rome, where, by order of the emperor, he was beheaded. His feast day is celebrated by the Universal Church on June 29th. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this has been another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, made ever more luxurious by our guest today, Your Eminence, the many ordinary Catholics who are sitting out there, you know, the ones that sit in the pews every Sunday, right? What what are we to do? How are we to live out this new evangelization? What does all this mean to us? Each one of us, each one of us is supposed to be an evangelist. I describe an evangelist is the disciple who shares the message. That's basically what an evangelist is, and all of us are called to do that. We do it in the very walk of life, the pathway through life that God in his divine providence has charted for each of us. Each one of us has some pathway that... God has called us to follow. And many times it has multiple aspects to it. It can be the the pathway of married life, of being a parent, of being a deacon, of being a religious, being a priest. For the lay person, it also includes your walk 
your particular walk of life, your particular profession. Mm. And in that profession, you have an opportunity to manifest this kingdom of God at work in our world. You know, the kingdom of God is nothing more or less than the presence of God being made manifest through all of his disciples, all of the members of the kingdom. Uh, I recently did a book called Seek First the Kingdom. Uh, it's published by our Sunday Visitor Press. Seek First the Kingdom has as its theme, how do we, all of us, every individual, every, all the people listening to mm -hmm. this, this program, how do individually each one of us take on that responsibility? Whatever area you find yourself in, whether it's professionally as a doctor, a lawyer, um, whether you are a businessman or a laborer, or whether you belong to some uh, business that is selling things, uh, whatever, you have an opportunity to manifest the kingdom in two ways. One, by the way you live, which clearly demonstrates uh, I've found a better way. Mm -hmm. I've found the path. Mm -hmm. And by what you say, there are a thousand opportunities a day to speak up quietly but persistently for the truth. An example that we all face, and I say this to, um, to people who are waiting in the checkout line at the supermarket, for people who are waiting in the carpool to pick up one of their kids from after a, a soccer match, uh, or whether you're waiting to go out onto a golf course, or whether you're just standing around the water cooler talking. When issues come up, you have every opportunity at that point to say, this, this is what I believe. This is the way I think things should be. Uh, we don't have to be uh, pounding the table. Right. Mm -hmm. But what we do have to be is confident in our faith. And I think this is one of the elements of the new evangelization. There are three of them. The first is to deepen your own knowledge and awareness of the faith. And that's what this program helps people to do, to reflect on what is it that I believe? Mm. What is it the Catholic Church teaches? When I say the creed, what does that mean? That's the first part. The second part is to have in your heart a level of confidence in the truth of what you've just said. This is the truth. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And the third is in that confidence, share it. And we share that in every possible way and opportunity before us. But you know, Your Eminence, I, I have to speak for the common people here. Yeah. And this might be news to some people because you've just said that we're all evangelizers, that we're all called to this. And so many people want to think that, well, isn't that the job of all these uh, deacons and priests and these, these cardinals who are in Rome? Aren't, aren't they supposed to be doing all this stuff? And, and we're along for the ride. But you're, you're saying that we are all... Each of us is called and, and to be active in this process. And again, the evangelizer is the disciple who shares. 
And if we keep that definition before us, you know, the, the task of those in holy orders, whether they are deacons or priests or bishops, the task of those in holy orders, particularly for those who have the task to preach, is to present the gospel in all of its beauty and all of its fullness. But it's the task of every believer to take those words and apply them. I love the words that the Mass is closed with. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. You know, these are your marching orders. You've received the sacrament. You received the words. You received uh, the message. Right now, you're to take that message. And you are to be my witnesses, Jesus said. And your evidence, you don't even have to go share it directly. You can indirectly share, can't you, too? Like, I know with my own family, when we go out to eat restaurants, we, I thought a long time ago, you know, we need to start saying grace in public. And just things like that are indirect witnesses that you stop and the server has to stop to say a prayer in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's a great example. We do that in every, in every opportunity that we find ourselves. A person who wears a cross, for example, uh, is quietly professing. I can't tell you how many people have asked me uh, here in, in words, would you bless my cross? Mm. And you think it's probably been blessed a hundred times, but that's all right. <laughs> that's all right. You're wearing it. And it's a sign of, but saying grace. I was, uh, I was at a meeting, this was about six months ago, uh, and we broke for dinner and went across the street from the meeting hall to a a restaurant to get some dinner and I couldn't help but see from where I was seated there was a table a couple tables over and two young couples they looked like they were in their late 20s came in sat down and they blessed themselves Mm. I got up and I went over to the table uh, and as I approached the table they said oh hi father <laughs> and I said, I couldn't help but notice that you you blessed yourselves before the meal. And they said, of course, we're Catholic. <laughs> That's right. And why are we not all doing that? Uh, there are a thousand ways in which we simply live our faith the way we should. You know, I think we've almost become afraid as Catholics to be Catholic in public. We're, we somehow think that, oh, that's just something we do privately in our house in the church. And that, that, that's really an irrational fear. I mean, we should be Catholic in everything we do. It's part of this tsunami that has attempted to wash away all these things because we're being told your faith is something you keep quiet. Your faith is something you keep hidden. Your faith is something you do in your house or in your church. And we're saying, no, the faith is something I live because it's who I am. And our society, our culture, should mirror that. We shouldn't hide the most basic, the most valued principles of our life. We shouldn't hide them. And if, if enough people begin once again to reassert, you know, I believe a family is, is an important part of life. I believe that, that marriage is a significant reality. It's a blessing. If we say that, Often enough, more and more people are going to agree with us because, because it's part of who we are as, as human beings. It's that quietness that is, I think, helping to erode the foundations of the faith. 
Your eminence, where does technology fit into all of this? Again, that's an, an extremely important point. And, of course, you would be very much into that, being involved in, in the radio and in all of this technology. We need to use every element available to us to tell the story. One of the things about what we're doing here in this cafe is speaking directly to people. You cut out the middle people. And you go directly to the listener with the story, the message, the gospel, the faith. That's what all of us need to be doing. And technology provides us a way to do that that we were never able to have at our disposition before. Think of all of the possibilities. Someone can go onto a website and they can, they can hear this. Mm. Uh, someone can go onto a website wherever they are and they can hear your message. They can hear this program reminding them, this is what we believe. This is how we live. You can do that. You can download that wherever you are. We need to tap into, and the Pope tells us to do that, we need to tap into the best of technology today, this whole electronic world, this this world of cyberspace. Yeah. Uh, but the Word has to be permeating that. The Word has to be filling that. You know, the Word became flesh to speak to us. But that Word is passed on to us. These are the words of everlasting life. That's right. We have voices. We need to replicate that Word in all of this electronic media that, that makes the Word multiplied and heard throughout the globe. That's why I want to say a word of appreciation for what you're doing. How important this radio program is. How important it is for people to hear with regularity, to, to regularly tune in, to regularly find this voice, uh, to nurture your faith. If the new evangelization is going to depend on knowing and appreciating and deepening your faith, this is one mechanism by which you do it. And so uh, this... This is a participation in the new evangelization, but those who are listening, those who are hearing, those who are the disciples who are going to become the evangelizers, this is a source of nourishment. Well, we have to end on that beautiful endorsement. <laughs> we appreciate that so much, and we appreciate your support of the Catholic Cafe, and we appreciate all the work you're doing for the Holy Father on this great charge of the new evangelization. We wish you the best, and we'll pray for you. Thank you. Thank you so very, very much, and thanks for the opportunity to be here with you and with Bob. Let's close in prayer. Yes. Uh, Your Eminence, if you would lead us in prayer. I would be very, very happy to do that. Let us pray in the words that Jesus gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And here in Lourdes we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. 
The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table. <laughs>